good to see you again, Kevin. It's good it's, to see you as well. Yeah, it's been a while. I came back from a little road trip. On nice. The day. Where'd you go? I went to Northern California. Nice. Um, specifically San Jose. And then uh, went on a road trip with my girlfriend on the PCH1, just across the entire uh, coast. How was that? It was nice. Uh, I went up there for my first ever gay wedding. Okay. And uh, it was an eye-opening experience. I can tell in what way? It was eye-opening in that it was a... It was a Mexican Indian gay Whoa, wedding. Oh, that sounds exotic. Layers upon layers. And it was hosted at the um, Palace of Fine Arts in SF. Wow. You could not have found a better venue. Did they merge the cultures or did they kind of have their own thing? They did. Okay. They did. I was having pal paneer along with tacos, like at the wedding. It was at it the was, same time. So paneer tacos. Uh, I, it was at that point, but it was in the same plate. You know, Interesting. It, it was it was lit. It was pretty lit. And that sounds really good, actually. It was so cool. It really opened my eyes um, a lot, about a lot of things that like, I assumed would be different, but it really wasn't that different than like a, like a normal wedding. Yeah. It's love. It's a it's, celebration of love. Love transcends all. Yes. And um, today we're not quite talking about love. Or weddings. Or weddings. But... Today we're talking about the importance of uh, not, or I should say the importance of eliminating negative assumptions. Negative assumptions. That was a good transition. Right. Yes. Right. So assumptions, what are assumptions? It it sounds very obvious, right? Mm -hmm. But we always start with defining it. And assumption is believing something to be true when you don't actually have proof yet or have no evidence that it is actually true. Mm. Now, assumptions can affect all aspects of our lives, so mm-hmm. we'll be covering that in today's podcast, and that includes our personal life, our business life, you know, even down to some learning, learning capabilities, kind of learning capabilities yeah. which kind of ties a lot into our personal lives. Um, so where should we start? I think we should start with um, the, the why behind why, why we're covering this topic of all episodes today. Okay. And it, it begins with the danger of of negative assumptions. A lot of times, the word in itself is dangerous because you do not see it. It's invisible to you. And because of that, it is very easy for these negative assumptions to snowball out of control and basically lower your quality of life because you you basically have relinquished control of how you view the world because of these uh, barriers that you put on yourself or these uh, thoughts that that don't serve you that have no like you said no evidence like so you're basically making a bunch of wrong uh, like calculations you know or viewpoint of things with little to no evidence to back it up yeah and we're going to kind of talk about some ways to overcome that correct and that can be very dangerous uh because a it strips you the opportunity to learn something new yeah and that alone already it's not a good great way to live life i mean mm-hmm. if you are the mr know-it-all and you think that you know everything and you live your life through a singular lens uh, you tend to not live in reality and what's actually happening and you close yourself to a lot of you know great opportunities and ideas that could potentially be presented to you and a lot of great relationships that you could continue to nourish and grow mm-hmm. yeah you know, like how bad how bad would it be that you know if you looked at every person you met in your life and your first thought is 
I don't want to talk to this person. He's not going to be my friend. Yeah. He's not, he or she is not cut out to be my friend. I don't want them involved in my life because I think X, Y, Z about them based on zero evidence. Correct. Right. You just limited yourself to the possibilities and, and the quality of life that you can live. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you think that, you know, scientists in the past thought, oh, going to space was impossible and they never challenged that assumption, then we wouldn't have ever been to space and maybe possibly you know elon would have created spacex and to thought have went to mars right and so i think a lot of innovation comes from challenging our assumptions exactly like even when we scale it back down to earth like if we didn't think you can have an automobile that runs with zero gas like it, it the tesla wouldn't be possible right um but i kind of want to go into like the um the personal we, we talked about the personal yes, relationship personal. aspect yes. How does this relate to our personal lives? Yeah, I think a, a big one, I think that impacts a lot of us that are listening, may be like uh, a relationship you have with a significant other or your own family members, right? And like one, one example for me, like personally would be like, I'm in a long distance relationship. And so a lot of trust has to be placed within a long distance relationship. And sometimes distance and lack of physical communication creates a little bit of doubt in your head. And you start making and wandering bad assumptions in your head, even though there's zero evidence based off of that. Right. right? And that deteriorates the quality of like the relationship that I could be having with my girlfriend because of the doubt that I placed in my own head, not because of her, only because I made these assumptions, mm. you know. And so I guess in this example, how I was able to overcome that is first, you have to understand that you're feeling this way. You need to be able to recognize and identify the pattern. Mm -hmm. Pattern recognition is the most important thing because if you do not catch yourself or see yourself doing these things, you will continuously do them to your own detriment and you will never solve or, or you know fix the problem because you don't acknowledge that the problem is there it got to that point for me when i realized that like we were arguing more than we should have and it was important for me to realize like our, what is the nature of the things that we were arguing about you know is it small things is it big things and if it is a small or big thing is it something that i can i can fix or is it something that she needs to fix but um the way i view life is you can't control the other person but you can control yourself so knowing that I had to view myself as the variable, the X factor that I can change. And it began with changing, changing my way of thinking and changing my negative assumptions in order to improve the quality of that, the relationship that we have. That's very interesting. Yeah. I think assumptions play a big role in especially love relationships mm -hmm. and the quality of them. I think, really how to overcome that in my experience. I'm not saying I have a perfect relationship or anything, but one thing that I realized a lot of assumptions stem at the source of it is your belief, right? Mm -hmm. And assumptions often lead to expectations of another person and the way that they should behave. Oh, you should be doing this for me. Oh, why aren't you doing that for me? <laughs> yeah. Those are some common yeah. internal dialogues that mm -hmm. we do have when we are frustrated in a relationship. And that expectation comes from the belief, the mm -hmm. belief of what an ideal partner should be or a belief that 
because you are my girlfriend, you are my wife, you are my friend, that you should be doing these things for me. Then once we recognize we have those expectations and those assumptions, we kind of take a layer deeper and see, okay, why is it that I expect that? It's because I have these core beliefs of what I believe a relationship to be or should be. Then I think from that perspective, we can say, okay, does believing this make sense? Does believing this realistic? Is believing this beneficial for my mental health and the the health of my relationship with other people? Like if you set this crazy belief that, oh, my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my husband or my wife needs to buy me X, Y, and Z things every single day or else he doesn't love me, then it's like, okay, that's fine if your partner also believes the same thing. But if your partner doesn't you know, believe that, then you guys kind of need to communicate on those fundamental beliefs and say like, hey, is this something that I want to continue to believe? Is this belief going to serve me in the way that I want to live my life? And the answer is no, then you have to eliminate those beliefs. You have to let go of those beliefs. And I think mm-hmm. that is a big way to, at least in personal relationships, but I think a lot of things translate to this. But more specifically is what are those beliefs that are creating those expectations and those assumptions in your relationship? And you bring up a good point. It's like you realize, hey, I'm arguing a lot with my girlfriend. Why is this happening? And mm-hmm. then you kind of uncover it. Did you kind of under, uh, uncover what those beliefs were, or those expectations were? Yes, yes. It ultimately came down to my perception of the trust in this relationship. Interesting. Right. It, it comes down to trust because at the core of any relationship, the glue that binds it together mm-hmm. is trust. Yeah. And I felt like maybe it wasn't deliberate on her part, but I chose to make negative assumptions. I chose to you know, view things interpret things in a negative way so can i ask you something yeah how was that trust initially broken that perception where that trust yeah. was broken where that, did that happen that's where i'm that's actually where i'm headed okay, okay. I'm, I'm gonna fill you guys in so that <laughs> no one's left in the dark i'm it, jumping the gun here yeah but but it essentially boiled down to her lack of communication mm. or just her because i'm the more communicative person in the relationship i'm more vocal a little bit more outspoken mm-hmm. she's a little bit more quiet more shy or just nothing wrong with that but i have to acknowledge and respect that and cultivate that instead of punish her for being a more quiet person not being as vocal like i wanted to be like hey can you express this more to me like about not just what you like but like what you don't like i want to know everything right i want over communication and you aren't giving me the over communication that I want, right? And because of that, I thought, oh, if you're not communicating with me, you must have something to hide from me. You see, that is where I found out, oh shit, that's not right. That was the connection you, you made. Can't, you can't make that leap just because of that. Mm. Omission of information does not equate to lying, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Omission of information just simply means that information wasn't presented. But she didn't present information in the wrong way. She didn't mislead me or steer me to expect something else. I, like you said, the expectations we placed, I placed those expectations there without her, right, on my own with no evidence. Correct. Right? Unless I have insurmountable evidence or whatnot, you know, 
I can't make that call because it's unfair to her. It and is. it's unfair to the relationship. It is. Like why debt self-detonate? You know, I was self-imploding Correct. basically in doing that. And that's kind of why this negative assumption is is so powerful, but also something that, that must be kept in check. Mm-hmm. It has to be kept in check. Yeah. And I think I think it's also like an ongoing process too. So it's like even after you identified those beliefs it's those are things that you it's not like one day you identify and they're gone completely mm-hmm. they can come up again and again and again mm-hmm. and it takes work but i think half the battle is recognizing that yes and working yeah. towards it and coming towards a understanding of what those expectations are from each mm-hmm. other everyone has their own needs mm-hmm. and in a relationship, you're almost like you have to be willing to fulfill those needs and expectations, right? And that mm-hmm. can be an entirely different podcast about yeah. fostering relationships. But it really applies to business too. So we can talk about that next. Exactly. Yeah. And I think you had great points to share upon that because like I think cultivating a business is very much like cultivating a relationship. It just has a little bit more mechanical parts, more tangible parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, than a relationship absolutely but is there any point that you want to emphasize on that you think a lot of people make negative assumptions on i think a a great example is kind of like the startup culture Mm. and building a product in the very early stages i think as a founder you always need to test your assumptions Mm -hmm. especially in the businesses that i've started uh, i found that my biggest mistakes were not testing my assumptions Mm. and for example, um, I started a coffee and tea business, right? And my partner and I were talking about the different ways that we can deliver this idea of coffee tea. And we explored a, a bunch of different kinds of options, right? We thought of instant because it was convenient. We thought about in a tea bag because it's never been done before where you can cook coffee and tea mm-hmm. at the same time in a tea bag. And then we, we thought of, you know, bottling, but then we assumed that bottling was going to be too expensive and that we wouldn't be able to do it. And so there was a lot of assumptions that we made that we didn't really test to its full extent. Mm. And so we assumed our first assumption was, hey, the tea bag is going to be easier. It's going to taste better. It's going to we have the ability to pack it ourselves in the beginning while we get some product feedback. It totally makes sense. We should just do the tea mm-hmm. bag method, mm-hmm. right? And so as we begin manufacturing, it took us hours and hours and hours to try to pack those little tea bags by ourselves in which we were like, man, it's either we spend a lot of money to buy a machine that's going to package these tea bags or we can explore an alternative method in which then we challenged our assumption to say, hey, what if we just made it to cook in a French press? Then we did that. Mm-hmm. And then we said, okay, well, I wonder what a cold brew would taste like. And then we... F- like we found out that, hey, bottling it is actually not that expensive, but we did not test that assumption. We just assumed that it would be more expensive and that it would take a lot more management. Yes, it, in somewhat relation to packing, let's say, like a regular coffee bag, it is a little bit more expensive than, than that, but the accessibility of the product outweighs that. And so what I... In that example, we made a lot of early mistakes and spent a lot of extra money from not challenging our initial assumptions and not product testing or challenging ideas and doing the research on them 
before just acting right away and executing right away Mm -hmm. and just spending the money up front because we thought that was the only answer. That's the only way. There's no other way. Correct. And I I think um, a lot of startups might also go through this too. 100%. Maybe in a different way. You know, maybe you're not starting a coffee and tea business, but let's say you're starting um, an app, an application, Mm -hmm. and you're an engineer and you start coding this app and you think this is a great idea and that this product is something that everybody's going to want. You spend hours, a thousand hours coding it. And then you try to launch it and you get zero downloads. Well, all that work just went to waste versus you trying to validate the market with ideas, maybe building a prototype. Validate your assumptions. Validate your assumptions before you spend the time and the resources to execute upon that. Or spend a lesser amount of resources to test that assumption. And if it doesn't work, you can just zero it out. So I think... From a business perspective, I think the relationship with what you believe to be true without the presented facts, you kind of need to, you need to mitigate your risks, right? Mm-hmm. You can't involve a lot of time and a lot of money and resources into uh, a single assumption. You almost need to have a defined testing period because at the end of the day, in business and anything investing related, you're not going to know the potential outcome. So you will need to test different assumptions. So I think it's it's really important to go in with that mindset to say, hey, I'm going to have a, I'm going to need an initial set of assumptions for the business based off of my experience and basis off of, I guess, what I believe to be my common sense in order to get started. But be sure that you continuously test your assumptions along the way to develop the best product for for a customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that what you said. It like what I got out of it too is. You have to leave no stone unturned. Right? Yes. Imagine you are in a forest and you're looking for gold. The gold is the golden idea, right? The golden ticket to whatever it is you want to achieve. Like if you knew that any one of these stones underneath it could be a, like a sprinkle of gold, would you go and flip every single stone before you start drilling into the ground? Of course you would. You know, you want to look and make sure that no stone is left unturned. And I think the the point of challenging your assumptions and experimentation mm-hmm. of your assumptions is a format of, hey, looking under, like really pulling out a magnifying glass and really asking yourself, is what I'm thinking off the bat BS or is there validity to what I'm thinking? Mm-hmm. You know, it's basically like a BS test, basically. Absolutely. It's, it's essentially, Absolutely. that's what it is, yeah. you know. And so we've covered we've covered the first aspect, which is like personal, personal relationships. relationships. And yeah. I think you did a great job covering about like an example of how you deal with that in like a business aspect mm-hmm. or like a development aspect. The third aspect I want to go is a little bit more more meta. It's a little bit less tangible, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit more internal. Okay, which is uh, how to challenge your assumptions about learning, learning things, the art of learning. You know, I think we always talk about. Yeah, you need to be intelligent. You need to know all these things. You need to have all these skills. But a very, very important thing that is overlooked is how we even come to acquire these skills, how we go about learning the things um, that we do. And I got this kind of concept or kind of inspired in listening to like a, a piece by Jim Quick, which I know you also follow pretty closely. Jim Quick is like one of the world's top leading like 
brain athletes. Like it, he literally views the brain as a muscle, and he basically trains uh, world-renowned like athletes, politicians, you know, presidents, um, actors on how to activate and unlock the potential of their brain. Interesting. Yeah, and one of the methods that he talks about is a method called FAST. It's an acronym for four letters, F, A, S, and T. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason why I want to delve into this because when I was growing up, you know, my, my family kind of gave me the environment or the perception, or maybe I interpreted it that way. We'll just say I interpreted it that way. You assumed it. I assumed it. I made a negative <laughs> assumption, right? I assumed that, oh, we have no engineers in our family. Your grandparents were farmers, you know. Your parent, your grandparents, like grandparents were farmers, right? You guys are, you guys are not an educated bunch. We have zero scholars. We have zero people in the family tree who have master degrees or PhDs, right? You <laughs> just do not have the genetics to be a scholar. And I thought, man, that's a heavy burden. It's <laughs> self-defeating, yeah, man. Yeah, that's self-defeating. It's self-defeating when half the people in my high school are taking calculus too, like at the age of like sixteen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But. I had to like break out of that because it's very dangerous. If I tell myself, ah, oh, I can't learn because, you know, this family is just not capable. The Yang family is just not capable of learning. We're not academic. We're not scholarly. Then I'm screwed because then I wouldn't have the motivation or the the courage to, to take on harder subjects, right, academic subjects. And it wasn't until I realized that, no. You don't need to learn just by sitting down at a desk and reading a book, right? And physically taking notes, writing on a piece of paper. It works for a lot of people. Don't get me wrong, but it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I had to discover a new way to learn. And I wish I had known the the aspects that Jim Quick covered in this when I was like starting at like six, yeah. right? Elementary school, grade school. Yeah. But I got to learn about this concept later on in life and I realized that, oh, better late than never. Better late than never. And I subconsciously was just already practicing some of these patterns. So I'm going to gonna kind of delve into what F-A-S-T stands yeah. for. So what's F? So F stands for forget. Mm. And you had a great analogy about this. I'm going to let you go into that analogy, but I'm yeah. going to share my piece about it. And Jim Quick basically says that in order to learn new things – you must forget what you think you already know. I love that. Yeah. The analogy that Stuart was referencing is you have to empty your cup first before you fill it with more water. Exactly. It's yeah. an overflow. Yeah. Right? You kind of have to empty the BS that you tell yourself mm-hmm. to try new things and experiment new things. Right? A great example we, we were talking about in a previous episode is meditating. Right? Well, I removed the BS for myself that – Oh, meditations for hippies. Meditations for religious people only, right? I have to remove and forget that BS that I told myself in order to empty the cup so I can fill the cup with the knowledge and the clarity that comes from meditation. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second one is A. Jesus, mm-hmm. I'm forgetting how to spell fast. <laughs> um, a stands for – pull up the, um, the thing. Pull up the thing. Yeah, the, yeah. the PowerPoint. All right, so A stands for active participation. And this is the part that I subconsciously understood, which is in order for me to learn things, I need to see it. Mm -hmm. I need to hear it. Mm -hmm. I need to do it. Yeah, there's different different forms of learning. Exactly. There's there's like a visual auditory and then uh, calisthenic or kinesthetic. Exactly, exactly. I can't learn by reading. Some people can. Some people can learn just by listening. For me, like 
I learn best by listening and by doing. I need to do all of it. Yeah. Like exactly. I literally need to do all three. Exactly. <laughs> but but the way that the, the traditional school structure works is it you're just regurgitating information. You're not an active participant. What does the lecturer do? They lecture mm-hmm. and you react. Yeah. React and proact, right? Yeah, yeah. You're not proactively participating. Mm-hmm. Do you find that you learn more when you ask the professor questions or teacher questions? Hundred percent. Or when you're chiming in, or when you have feedback to give to the 100%. professor, means your 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 wheels are actually spinning. Your juices are flowing. It's actually scientifically proven that the the most effective way to teach is to have every. Buddy, are your students engage in the conversation? Exactly, because they need active participation. Yeah, your brain yeah. cells just aren't firing if you're not actively participating. Mm-hmm. That's which, which is why, like, I loved the teachers. The greatest teachers that I've had, looking back, were the ones that challenged us with questions. Don't mm-hmm. start the lecture off with "Ah, well, there's what to do." Like, start the start the lecture off with a thought provoking question because that gets the juices flowing. Mm-hmm. And once the brain starts running. Then it, it's kind of like it's kind of like exercising. Once you get that blood flow going, like it, it becomes more easier to think. Like thinking actually requires warming up, mm-hmm. which I, I totally ignored in the beginning of like learning. It's like you actually need to warm your brain up, just like a muscle in your body, yeah. you know. And then the third one, I love this the most because this is the game changer for me, uh-huh. which is called your state. Your state S, uh-huh. the third letter, which is your mental mood mm-hmm. of your brain, mm-hmm. and so. Jim kind of talks about in life, we go through life in sort of two modes. You can be a thermostat or you can be a thermometer. I love this analogy because it kind of highlights your state of mind. Mm -hmm. If you're a thermometer, what does a thermometer do? It measures the temperature. Mm -hmm. Temperature gets hot, thermometer goes up. Mm -hmm. Temperature goes down, thermometer goes down. Mm -hmm. But if you're a thermostat, what is your job as a thermostat? You dictate. You dictate the temperature. You set the pace. And so it kind of encourages us to shift our brain to be more of a thermostat as opposed to a thermometer. Mm -hmm. Because if your brain reacts to to things, right, if someone pisses you off and you remain pissed off for the rest of the day, Mm -hmm. how conducive is your brain going to be? To learn, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You're, you're, it's scientifically proven when you're in a better mood, you learn better. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So your state has to be in a good state. Yeah. You have to be relaxed. You have to be excited. You have to be enthusiastic and happy. Mm. And you can actually learn better that way. Mm. And that was like so important for me. And I realized, like, okay, if I'm not in a good mood, I will not attempt to force myself to cram things, memorize things, or learn things, or to do something that's really, really hard on the brain. I would do that when I'm in a better mood, when I'm less stressed, when I have less mental baggage on my mind so that I can actually download information better yeah. and retain more because yeah. he talks about memory as a huge component of learning. Yeah. And then the last one I think is, is pretty straightforward. It's kind of what we're doing right now, mm-hmm. which is T. T stands for teach, mm-hmm. right? How do you know that you've truly mastered a subject or that you under have a full understanding or a good understanding of a subject? If you can't teach it to someone else, yeah. right? You can say, oh, I know calculus. Maybe you do. But if you can't explain it to your peers in a way that's understandable, you have not mastered calculus, yeah. right? If you cannot explain meditation or how to do this workout in a way that an amateur can get up to speed or someone who doesn't know, then you truly haven't mastered it. And I thought that's a great way because if we're going to present an idea to people listening on, on like an episode right, or a mm-hmm. podcast, mm-hmm. 
like we better know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. Because we don't know what the hell we're talking about or like have an interest in what we're talking about. How are we going to find the motivation and the inspiration to teach it? Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I think like fast F A S T was such an eye opening way for me to like observe that like we need to challenge our negative assumptions or just blanket assumptions about how a person learns. I love that. Yeah. I'm just going to repeat the acronym again. Yeah. F is forget. A is active. S is state. Mm-hmm. T is teach. Yeah. Fast. Just remember that. Fast. And then yeah. you'll begin learning a lot faster. And faster. A lot more. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. This made me think of a quote, yeah. especially in relation to the acronym uh, forget. Mm-hmm. And... Um, And it relates to assumptions and everything we're talking about when it comes to assumptions. It says, those who know don't talk. Those who talk don't know. And I'm going to modify that quote and I'm going to reinstate it. All right. So it's those who know or those who talk don't know. Those who don't know or those who know don't talk. They ask questions. Mm -hmm. They ask questions. They ask questions. And it's questions that we ask ourselves. It's the questions we ask about our business. It's the questions that we ask mm-hmm. in our relationships that are going to help us challenge mm-hmm. our assumptions. It's going to help us become better learners. If we don't ask questions and we assume that we know, we just won't be able to learn. We're done. We're like, done. We just can't achieve the highest version of ourselves and we just limit the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. I think that's a great spot. That's a great spot to end it. Um, if you guys enjoyed this episode, um, as always, you please know, subscribe. Please, please subscribe so that we know that people actually are listening and yeah. that we can share more and more value and information yeah. with a community. Yeah, I mean, if you guys yeah. found value in this too, we'd love to impact more people and find more people like yourself. So share it with someone, tell someone about this podcast. And it would be extremely helpful if you guys left us a review. It helps us um, find us on the iTunes app as well as the Spotify app. Right. And that, that really helps us. And, you know, getting your feedback means the world to us. Yeah. So feedback is important because without feedback, we can't improve. Yeah. All right. And uh, until next time, guys. Until next time. Okay.